Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So I'll try and take you through this story on page two of uh, the green sheet. My mate's gone mad. Um, Let me introduce you to Guion Jenkins. Uh, Guion Jenkins was captain of cricket at Llanelli Boys Grammar School. And one day in the summer, uh, when I was in year 10, age 15, there was a knock on the door from Guion Jenkins of our classroom. We had double physics and maths that afternoon. Guion Jenkins was in the upper sixth, captain of rugby, captain of cricket, head boy, top man, really top man. Uh, I didn't know him. He was a bit of a hero at a distance, but I didn't know him personally. Um, he asked for my name. I put my hand up. He said, uh, you're playing for the school cricket team this afternoon in Cardiff, which is about 50 miles. Uh, can you go and get your kit? It was just before lunch. So I was terribly thrilled at this um, because I thought it must be because I was such a good player that I'd been picked for the big boys team. Uh, so I went to get my kit and I came back and we jumped on the minibus off to go. Teacher driving, 11 boys. Guion Jenkins sits next to me because I don't know anybody. So I hinted uh, to get him to tell me how good I was by saying, oh, I, I don't know why I was picked actually today. Uh, to come for the game. And he said, isn't it obvious? I said, not really. He said, well, how far do you live from the school? I said, uh, 300 yards. He said, well, therefore, somebody was sick in the last lesson before lunch. We r- worked out which boy lives closest to school who could field third man uh, and bat last. And it was you. So off we went. So uh, very kind, nevertheless. It was a 50-mile trip. And we went to the game and... Um, on the way home, uh, he sat next to me again. It was a Monday, and uh, he's a quiet sort of chap, really, uh, and I was a little bit more talkative, so I said, how did the weekend go? Uh, and he said, well, I played cricket Saturday, and on Sunday I went to church. Now, this was a shock. Even in the uh, 1970s in Wales, it was a shock, because most boys uh, that I knew had stopped going to church when they were quite young. You had to go when you were a little boy, really, primary school, in my culture. So I said to you, I had a shock. I was a bit disappointed, really. So I I, I said, you went to church yesterday? He said, yeah. I said, does your mother still make you go to church? So I thought he was a bit of a wuss now, you know, because he he couldn't stand up to his parents, really. Mother make you still go to church? And he said, no. He said, I went to church because... And then words I didn't forget for some years. I follow Jesus because I follow Jesus. Jesus. And I thought to myself, 45 miles to go. (laughs) Because you're in trouble then, aren't you? I knew Guion Jenkins, still do, and uh, when I went off to left home and moved away, he would write to me before texts and emails and Facebook and everything. Uh, So it was like... uh, Kay's catalogue coming through the letterbox when I got a letter from Guion, big long letter about Christianity. Let's look at Philip and Nathaniel, and uh, I'm sure that little illustration might make sense in just a moment. Here's the story on page two. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, 
Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. I don't know how many barriers you have or once had about the Christian faith. Uh, I'm going to look at three of them through this story. Here's the first one. Is Christianity weird? If somebody's not a Christian, it's quite a big barrier to jump over. It's an odd thing to be a Christian. It's religious. It's slightly weird. It certainly couldn't be for me. I certainly thought that until I met a sportsman who was like me, who was sort of my age, who said, I follow Jesus. Most of us come to faith by beginning to cross this barrier, even if it's almost non-existent because our mum and dad are, and it's just okay. But let's feel out the barrier here. Philip and Andrew. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, verse 43. Philip find Nathaniel. Philip and Nathaniel are pals. They know each other very well by the sounds of it. They come from the same neighborhood. And one day they bump into each other, and we'll see later a reference to a fig tree. It's a hot country, and they're sitting under a fig tree. So uh, let's play with the idea that it's lunchtime, and they bump into each other. He says, how are you today? How's it going, Phil? Tidy, thanks, Nate. How are you? Smashing. Good morning. Not a bad morning. What do you get up to then, Phil? Oh, I bumped into the Messiah this morning. (laughs) Now... If you look at that little line there, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, in verse 44. The Jewish nation was under oppression to Rome, the Roman Empire, and indeed for some 600 years had been oppressed uh, by a range of nations. So this people was waiting for a liberator, a military figure who would liberate them and they'd been waiting at least six centuries for this person. So if your mate showed up at lunchtime in his lunch shower with his box of sandwiches and his glass of squash, he said, how's it going, Phil? Tidy Nathaniel. He said, nice. Yeah, I bumped into the Messiah who we've all been waiting for for 600 years. If it wasn't your pal, you might just say, what a nutcase. Perhaps the sun's been too strong on his neck. Perhaps he didn't have a cap on working outdoors. Are you all right, Philip? Have a sit down. Drink the squash. Drink your squash. Cool down. I don't think you have bumped into the Messiah this morning. Not the king we're all waiting for. Not the great ruler that our nation's been waiting for. Anyway, where's he from then, he said. Because it's his pal, you see. So perhaps he indulges him a bit. If he was a stranger, he'd have walked straight by. Where's he from then? Nazareth. Nazareth. It's a village around the corner. It's hopeless. It's a dive. It's not even mentioned in the Old Testament. Every Jew knows the Messiah is coming from Bethlehem because it says it in the the Jewish scriptures. He's really lost the plot, Philip. And possibly the only reason his friend Nathaniel doesn't disappear in in a flash of dust is that he knows him. And I don't think we can underestimate this fact. That Christianity has grown over 2,000 years because a grandparent or a parent or a friend or a teacher or a teammate or a neighbor has modeled that they do trust in Jesus and that they're not that weird. Well, we should rephrase that. Obviously, if you're weird and a Christian, it's probably because you're weird anyway. 
Because that does happen, doesn't it? No, no, you know what I'm saying there now. You see, they don't have to go together. You, you can just be weird. But you're still able to be a Christian. You know, that's how life works, isn't it? But there's something very beautiful about Philip and Nathaniel here, that they're mates. And, and of course, now he perhaps makes a bit more sense of Guion Jenkins. And I wonder if you'd say you're a Christian this morning, who would you think of as the Philip to your Nathaniel? For many of us, it's a parent, isn't it? But then there's a teacher or a friend. And if you're like Nathaniel in this story this morning, you say, well, I'm not altogether sure, actually, about my Christian faith. There's a fair chance there's somebody who you respect. You know their weaknesses and their strengths, but you do quite respect them. And they have faith in Christ. It's such an intuitive thing, the way that Jesus moves through this world. So there's a, there's a pretty high chance that a person wouldn't be in church building like this this morning if you hadn't crossed the barrier that it's weird. Because it would just be too much to come into a weird place, as it were. So let's go to the next part of the story. And I'd like to try and show from this part of the story that Christianity, once you're over the weird barrier, there's something about its relevance. Let's have a look at the next part of the story from 46 again. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. What is that noise? Is it a phone? Oh, it's gone. I was it went on so long I was trying to work out what the tune was. Uh, and you all were, so I might as well have said it, isn't it? Because if it goes for a bit, you're not worried. But if it goes on, everyone's going, what's the tune? What's the tune? Don't be embarrassed if it was yours. It's fine. Uh, I should have done that. I should have done that. I, should... I know, I play with that. Sorry. Can anything good come from there? Verse 46. Look at this by Philip. Isn't he brilliant? See that little line there? Come and see. Can I have a look? When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now let's have a little look at that. Here's the first thing. Philip's brilliant. He doesn't get all defensive. What are you making fun of me? Are you saying I'm an idiot because I'm a Christian? Are you saying I'm a fool to say that I've met the king of the universe who has become a man? Are you? He doesn't get at all angry. Sometimes when you're a bit frightened or nervous of saying something about your faith, you get a little bit tense about it. We'll walk through this little few verses here and see that you never have to be tense if you are a Christian. You just have to say, come and have a look. Jesus can look after himself, you know. Come and have a look. And Nathaniel likes Philip. They get on okay and he says, oh, I'll have a look then. Yeah, no problem. So he goes to meet Jesus, physically, of course, at this point, because Jesus is here, he's a man. And uh, watch what happens here. It, it needs a bit of unpacking, but it's a marvelous little story. When Jesus saw Nathaniel 47 approaching, he said, here's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. He quotes a part of the Bible that Nathaniel would have learned as a child at Saturday school, going to the synagogue. It's from one of the hymns, one of the psalms, the 32nd psalm. Here's a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. If you were to read the psalm through, you'd see it's a picture of a man who's fed up with his inability to live the way God wants him to. He's fed up 
with his incapacity to live in a way that honours God. He wishes he were a better man and more godly. So now translated, Philip, Nathaniel. Uh, Jesus, this is Nathaniel. Nathaniel, Jesus. How do you do, Nathaniel? Very nice to meet you. How are you this morning? Good, thank you. Oh, Nathaniel. You're a real idealist, aren't you? You're really fed up with the way you live sometimes, aren't you? You really wish the world was a better place and it could start with you, don't you? There's something marvellous that's going on here. If you're a bit like Nathaniel today, and I I realise that's a broad definition, there will have been times, I suspect, already where you're thinking, actually, Jesus Christ could be relevant to me, not to my friend. He actually is interested in me as this child or this man or woman, not just my parent or my pal. Jesus moves from being second-hand to first-hand. For those of you who've known faith in Christ for some time, sometimes it's good to stop and think, gosh, that time when I realized Jesus was my saviour, not my parent or friends. He becomes relevant. It's something intimate. It's something within. It's not an external religious behavior that you see in somebody else. Not even just an admiration of somebody else, but something distinctive and personal to me. I know you, Nathaniel. How are you? I know you inside out. It's a great moment. And in the story, Nathaniel says, 48, how do you know me? And as if to reinforce that he really does know him, Jesus says in, in 48, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Let me just explain that. He talks to him again in his own language of going to his own type of church, if you like, to the synagogue as a child. He talks to him about a prophet called Zechariah who writes of a dream of a day to come when each Israelite family won't be oppressed anymore and they'll have their own land and they'll be able to farm their own land. And when the man of the house, as it were, in that culture has finished his work for the day, he can sit down under his own fig tree in his own backyard and rejoice that God is in control of their world. Freedom from oppression. So here's part two of the dialogue. How are you? Nice to meet you. You're an idealist, aren't you? You're fed up with what goes on that nobody knows about deep in your heart and you wish you could fix it. How do you know that? Or I know because that dream of the prophet Zechariah is your dream, isn't it? You want the world to be a better place, don't you? Nathaniel, don't you dream of that? I can just tell. I know. Oh, the movement from respecting a Christian person, whether in your family or in your workplace or at your school to actually thinking, Jesus Christ is relevant to me. He knows me inside out. He knows my dreams and my hopes and my fears. It is the most marvelous thing that only God can do. And if you've tasted that in your life at all, it is the most marvelous privilege that God is kind enough to do that. And it really doesn't matter how bad or good you are, does it, if you've ever tasted this. It's the fact that the creator of the universe has become flesh in a man called Jesus. And now he has beaten death, but he continues to speak to the human heart and say, I know you. 
Don't worry about becoming a Christian. I know you. Follow me. Because I know everything you dream of. I know everything you fear. Because I'm your maker and saviour. And I love you very much. It sounds a bit soft if you're a certain kind of person to hear that. And to others of us it sounds marvellous. Well, as we come to the last bit of the story, it's now become particularly relevant to Nathaniel to know Jesus. But it should be the end of the story, really, because look at 49. You know, this would be a great place to end, really. Nathaniel says, Rabbi, teacher, it's a word for teacher, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Different terms for the king they were waiting for. That's a quick turnaround. Two minutes ago, he was going, where's he from then? Where's he from then, Phil? Nazareth. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous, Nazareth, the Messiah. Don't be stupid. Now he's saying, you are? That would be a great place to end, wouldn't it? He should be baptized straight away and join the church and come to the annual parish church meeting tomorrow uh, because he should be right in there now. But there's one more bit of the story. Fascinating, I thought, when I looked at this first. Why the last bit of the story in 50 and 51? Well, Jesus offers a third reference to the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, that Nathaniel would have known well as a youngster. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. In other words, you believe just because you know that I know how you feel and what your hopes are and what your dreams are and how you'd like the world to be changed. Just because of that, you believe. <laughs> you know, and Nathaniel said, yeah, nobody else knows me that well, and you've never met me, and you know me inside out. Of course I believe because of that. But Jesus has one more line to offer, one more reference to his growing up years. He says, I tell you the truth, you're going to see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's a story from the Old Testament it's a story of a boy called Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 who's an absolute waster. Do you know that word waster? Like a bad? He's a bad man. He, he tricks his dad. He steals the family wealth that should have gone to his elder brother Esau. And he's sly as anything and he does a runner because he knows his brother Esau will really get him because he's betrayed the family and stolen everything. And when he runs away, he has a dream. He falls asleep and he dreams. And in the dream, as he's running away, there's a stairway from heaven to earth and angels going up and down it. And you know what the message is to Jacob and therefore to Nathaniel? It goes something like this. Nathaniel, I know you're an idealist. I know you wish you were a better man. I know you want to change the world to make it a better place. I know you have high hopes for caring for your family and your community. That's a good thing, Nathaniel. And I understand those things about you. But Nathaniel, let's not forget, if I know you inside out, I know the Jacob in you as well. I really do. I know the malice and the deceit. I know the lewdness and the theft. I know the aggression and the pride. I know the manipulation as well. I know everything about you. That's what Jacob was. And Jesus says, that's what you're like to add, you Nathaniel. And by the end of this account of the life of Jesus, by John, one of the four accounts of Jesus' life, Jesus hangs on a cross. And when he hangs on that cross, 
There is a stairway, there is a bridge from heaven to earth. And on that cross, God who became a man dies. And when he dies there, he dies to take the punishment for the Jacob that's in Nathaniel, for the things that people know about you and I that people don't know, forgive me, that God knows, for the things that we'd be desperately ashamed for anyone to know about us, but God knows about, and the holy God of the universe could have nothing to do with us. He must cut us off because of what we have done, because it is morally unacceptable to him. But when Jesus comes into the world, he comes into the world to take our place, to be our substitute, to take the punishment that I deserve and that you deserve out of sheer, outrageous, amazing love for you and me, for the people that he has made. And the liberation of knowing that somebody knows you inside out good and bad, high and low. That there's somebody who knows what you've done this week, this month, this day, this lifetime. Who knows you deserve judgment, but loves you and me enough to come into his world and our world to pay instead of us. That we might have a relationship with our creator. This is the good news of Christianity. It's true that Jesus died on a cross. And if Jesus didn't die and beat death, then Christianity is nonsense. But if the man who met Philip and Nathaniel and crosses the weird barrier and then meets Nathaniel and crosses the relevance barrier and knows our hearts and minds, he then says, you know, it's true that I did live and die and I did beat death. It's a fact of history. But let me explain it to you. He says in the Gospels, I did it out of love that justice might be met and love poured out upon you. I want to restore your friendship with your creator. My mate's gone mad. I'm glad I met Guion Jenkins because I did think he was slightly odd to say I follow Jesus. But I was privileged to know him and still know him because through knowing him, I saw a first-hand opportunity, not just second-hand, that I could know the one who died on my behalf. But it took some years to actually believe that he really lived and died, and it wasn't a myth, and it wasn't a religious game, but actually this man died on a cross to take my place, that justice might be met and the love of God might be poured out, and that I could be forgiven freely and loved unconditionally and could live with him forever, and he'd never fear death. And that one's idealism could be worked out in this life. That it's possible to get older and not grow cynical. You understand what I mean by that? If you've, I don't know what a certain age is. But, you know, the years roll by, and everything gets so cynical, doesn't it? Being there, done it, got the T-shirt. To know Christ is to know that there's something even greater to come. 
that there's a life to be lived, an idealism to be pursued, and all in the name of the one who knows my failings and will never leave me because he loved me so much he died for me. And whatever we've done wrong this week, if we've trusted in Christ, he's not going anywhere. You can't really screw it up with Jesus because he's so committed that he died for you and he's staying. And he's with us all the way home. It is the most marvelous, marvelous thing to know Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the great King, not just of Israel, but of the universe. So, perhaps two concluding thoughts. One, are you Nathaniel this morning? More like Nathaniel? You like Philip. He may or may not be weird, or Philippa, I don't know. She may or may not be weird, but remember, she's not weird. He's not weird because he's a Christian. He's just weird. But you respect your parent or your friend or your neighbor, and they're all right. They do have this belief. Or are you over that barrier? Have you tasted that Jesus Christ wants a first-hand relationship with you, the one he made and loves, the one he died for? Have you tasted an awareness of that? Maybe further, do you think actually... I think this is true. He actually died on a cross in my place, despite everything in me. And he loves me. And I can turn to him. And if you turn to him this morning and say, I believe what I've heard today, and I do trust in you, then you would be able to say, I'm a Christian. It's as straightforward as that. It lasts forever, and your life becomes his life. But that's how it begins. If you're Philip, Philippa, this morning, rejoice. Be glad that you have met Christ. Be glad that he loves you and knows you and is totally committed to you, and he died for you, and he's never going away. And whatever's gone wrong or whatever's gone right, he is there. And he would love it for you to say to a Nathaniel somewhere this week something about the Jesus who you met. Because this is how the gospel goes on, the good news goes on from generation to generation. As one Philip tells one Nathaniel, and the Lord Jesus gets to work. Shall I say a prayer for us? Thank you, Lord, for this story. Thank you for what we might have learned a little bit anyway from it together this morning. Help us to respond to you in whatever way is appropriate in the light of what you have taught us from the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.